Welcome to the Billy Moore Podcast. Today's guest is none other than Frankie Allen, the UK's most feared comedian. How are you, Frankie? I'm doing great, thanks, Bill. Obviously, we're not all doing great, aren't we, with the lockdown and everything. It's been a nightmare. But, you know, I'm doing things like this. I'm doing these memo things, shout-outs. You know, people are requesting, Frankie Allen, can you come on? Wish me brother, wish me dad, whatever, happy birthday. Or even just roasting a lot of young lads are coming on now and are saying, can you roast people in our football team? He's got a big head, he's got a big ears. Um, it was this Swedish company got hold of me, lad, and they've got like hundreds of celebrities around the world and you can pick anyone that you want to roast someone or wish them happy birthday, christening. We've had them in Australia, America, most of them obviously in the UK. It's kind of like, it's a little part of my act really, that they want. It's all young lads, really, Bill. Yeah. What happens is, um, say, for instance, these lads came on the other day and they, from Southall in London, is it Southall, London, and a football team, and they said, this fella, Tony Griffiths, he's the goalie for our team, but he keeps letting the ball in. Everyone kicks the ball over his head. See? So I have to come on, and he tell me a little bit about him, you know, a little bit of scandal, what he's done or whatever. So I come on and I go... Tony Griffiths, how many times have you got to get fucking lobbed, you stupid-looking cunt, before you save the ball? You fucking dickhead. No wonder your beard left you, you fucking plank. You need a good hiding. Save the fucking... Billy, you'd be surprised. Do you love it? <laughs> you know, really insulting people. And we get reviewed. You know, they put a review on to say whether or not they like it or whatever. But everyone loves them. You know, they like getting... Just the way... The things are these days, especially young people. The culture is they want to get, they want the mates to get roasted, you know. And it's, it's funny, it's that funny, and they're getting paid for that, mm. so making some money anyway. That kind of offsets all the money I've, I've lost by not going on tour this year. Yeah. yeah. So, so growing up, Frank, right? Yeah. What was it like? Siblings? Any siblings? Um, yeah, I've got two brothers. Um, three brothers. I had. I lost a brother when I was. Uh, I was only 16, he was 10 on our bill, he passed away tragically. And uh, got a sister as well, Bill, yeah. So so what happened to, um, what happened to your, your brother, Billy? I had a brother, Bill, and he was special needs. He was epileptic. Now, he took these epileptic fits. Um, when my mother was carrying him, she had German measles. I think that was the effect. And when he was born, for a while, he thought he was just normal. Then he started taking these epileptic fits. Now, believe it or not, now, 2020, uh, they've more or less cure, they can cure them, but like in the 70s, Bill, it was horrendous. And he was what you call, anyone out there who knows anyone with epilepsy or you suffer from it yourself, it was called grand mal. There's two different types. You can be petit mal, which is French, it just means very small. Um, and it means that you might take a fit, a convulsion, you collapse, you can bang your head on the floor, bite through your tongue, you might take one once a year or once every five years. Mm. But anyone who's got grand mal means it's severe and you take them all day. You go from one fit into another. You might go a few hours without taking one, but then you'll take one. So he was very heavily medicated to keep him sedated. And that slowed him mentally, Bill. So he had to go to a special school. So it was a tragedy. He died, you know, when he was 10. And it's always kind of like haunted me. But I found him dead, you know. There was no one else in the house, just me and him and... It was horrendous, you know, so can't even talk about it, Bill. But yeah, our Bill, he was a lovely kid as well, you know. I can imagine being 16 years old and, 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 and losing your brother, and, yeah. and fa especially finding him. You know, I've got a brother who's got special needs, and, yeah. um, you know, I was never there growing up, but it's, um, I, I'm trying my best to be there today, you know what I mean? Bill, as I say, it's like anybody else and everybody else. Like, my dad died a couple of years ago, and he was 96. Well, I mean, great, you'd go like that, you'd take that all day, wouldn't you? Go, yeah, yeah. give me 96, I'll die when I'm 96. But we still miss him. You yeah, know, it's yeah. still heartbreaking that he's gone. He's not there at Christmas now. This, so it's very, very sad and nobody knows, nobody, none of us really know why. You know, what's the meaning of life? You always question it, don't you? Say, why are we alive? Why do we die? So I think, I think over the years, I've just thought, like, we are blessed with a few short decades and, and yeah. we need to make the most of it, you know. Not worry about uh, the future and, and not not resonate on the past. It is what it is. Bill, that's exactly my sentiments as well. 
what they say, time and tide, wait for no man, everyone gets old. Either you might see a little baby in a pram, that baby's going to grow up. One day that baby's going to be old. It's, it's, it's difficult to, to comprehend, isn't it? But all of us, mm. we're all in a queue, so to speak, aren't we? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think the consequences of living sometimes as well um, is, is fear of what? Of the unknown. Is yeah. that ever is that ever something that's ever um, ever been a in what way the unknown, Bill? You no, know, like see, like we fear the unknowns, and we don't know what's round the corner. We don't know what the future holds for us. You know, we don't know what's beyond. Yes, and no, but Billy, it's been like, a big one for me. Like I could obsess over that stuff over the years. Like I know, but at the same time, Bill, look, look, the life you've had, the life I've had, a lot of people. If you come from a working class background, and if you've had it rough when you were a kid. It does seem to uh, give you protection for later life when things go wrong. A lot of people go to pieces. A lot of people have got mental issues now mm. with this uh, lockdown, you know, quarantine. They can't handle it. But, you know, being a scouser, being brought up a bit rough and tumble, you've been around a little bit, and you can roll with the punches, so to speak. You'll get through things. You know, I've been skint. I've been living in a little flat, you know, on my own with no money coming in, no curtains on the window floorboard, just a bed in the corner and a little telly living off biscuits. Billy, you've done very similar things. Look at your life, the things that have happened to you. Like a fucking horror film. But you get through them. So uh, you've got to be resilient, haven't you? I think that's the word. Yeah, so that's 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 a word that's been used a lot throughout my journey. Resilience. Yeah. Perseverance. Perseverance. Tearing up. Uh, not taking no for an answer, knowing that uh, you know we've only got one shot at this. You know what I mean? We've got you? one shot, and what I always say to people, Bill, never give up. Never look what what's happened to me. You know, at my age, getting a bit of getting a break when I worked on the clubs for like forty years, up and down the country, totally unknown. Nobody knew me. Working in Scotland, sleeping in bus shelters when the hotels didn't have any money for the hotel. Got to venues in South Wales and they've gone, oh yeah, we've sent a cheque to the agent. You're not picking up any cash here. About to sleep in the street, you know, being through a bad time. But it, it kind of like makes you who you are, you know, it kind of like moulds you into the person that you are. It's a bit sad in a way because it takes like a nice edge off you, doesn't it? Yeah, but tell me, Frank, right, tell me, what, what made you want to become a comedian? Well, 1975, I was only a bit of a kid, uh, then 18, 19. A friend of mine, Danny, Danny Downing, he's actually a big comic now in Benidorm in Spain. He's doing very well out there, very well known. We used to go to a place in Kensington in Liverpool in Shield Road, and it was called the MA Club. Every Sunday, they had a comic on, and they had a stripper, a female stripper. You'd walk in, Billy, the only way it can like make an analogy with what it looked like. It was like something, remember a deer hunter mm. where they're all surrounding a table and they're playing Russian roulette. Yeah. And one was picking well. a gun up. Yeah. <laughs> it was like that. Don't forget this is the seventies. So everyone's smoking. You walked in, Billy, it was fucking heaving. You couldn't move all the scallies from Kenny. Lads used to come up from the South end, down from Walton, Scotty, come down from Eighton, heaving. All you could see was smoke. And about one o'clock, the compere would come out and he'd say, going to bring our comedian on for the day. And they were always comedians from out of town, Manchester, Blackpool, Yorkshire. And you know what scousers are like anyway? You know, about outsiders. But none of the comedians that they had on lasted longer than, I'd say, one minute. It was very, it was weird. It was so funny. The first time I went, me and Danny, my mate, were sitting there and he said, so-and-so, welcome on stage. And this comedian came out. He had a suit on. <laughs> Billy, there was fellas there with the fucking heads burst. Everyone smoking, broken noses. People like tramps, you know, the clothes hanging off. They'd been out all night. The smell of drink. It was like, it was just like hell. Anyway, <laughs> he came out and he went, I'm always in love with a beer. I walked into the tailors yesterday. And this fella stood up, a little fella, he said, is that where you got that suit from, you stupid cunt? Fuck off. Like, <laughs> fella just walked off. So everybody, every comedian that they had booked in there couldn't handle it and never saw anyone go the distance. They all got booed off, 
heckled or fought threatened. Mm. So Joey Blakemore, who was the MC, the compere from Council Farm, he's dead now, great fella, little fella. He said, listen, boys, and this is how he spoke to the crowd, Bill. He got on the mic, he said, listen, you can all fuck off. You fucking booed every comedian off that we've had on here. Now it's all over, having no comedians on. And what we're going to do, you twats, you think you're fucking funnier than a comedian. I'm going to get everyone that fucking wants to up on stage, tell a couple of jokes, and who's the best wins two quid? Joke of the week contest. So I was sitting there, so this fella jumps up, heckles the fuck, booed, walked off. So Danny says to me, Frankie, get up, mate. And just have a laugh and do some of your impressions. Billy, so I said, okay. Billy, as soon as I picked the mic up for the first time, I took to it like a duck to water. Yeah. Just like you with the kickboxing, a natural mm. ability. You know what I mean? I picked the mic up and without realising, I attacked the crowd. <laughs> and you couldn't hear the pins drop. It just went very quiet. No one tried to heckle me. I was saying... Look at the fucking head on this cunt. You are fucking do you, you stupid looking cunt. Your fucking face a hyena wouldn't laugh at. You ugly twat. And I've seen your beard. Your beard's on the game. Savage them all. And it all be like that. Terrified. Went down great. Doing impressions. I used to do impressions at the time. Cliff Richard. Hi, friends, and all that. Uh, but I was swearing when I'd done them, you know. Uh, Hi, friends. Somebody sent me a letter bomb. I opened it. It went puff. Uh, all that. <laughs> Kirk Douglas, all the gangsters are. Edward G. Robinson. Uh, 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 Faye Ray. Yeah, I said to Al Capone, uh, Faye Ray died of VD. He said, girls like Faye Ray don't die of VD. I said, yeah, they do, if they give it to me. <laughs> So all these gags, and I had them all in my head. All the lads on the street corner, gags were going round. So Billy, I'm bringing a house down. So a one or two quid for six weeks on the run. So Don Navarro, who was the owner of the place, Iggy Navarro, a lot of people remember him from Boys from the Black stuff, as Shake Hands. Mm. And he was also in Lessons of Brezhnev. He was an actor and a comedian himself. He was a great lad. And he owned the place at the time, Bill. And he was watching me every week. And uh, he came up to me final week. I said, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm getting fed up with it. So he said, okay. And he said, Frankie, can I be worthy? He said, look, I think you've got a lot of talent. What are you doing? He said, I haven't seen anyone so fearless, really, Bill. Mm. Picking on people. And there was a few lads in there. I found out later were real gangsters, you know, tough lads. Yeah. But I don't know what it is, Bill. When I'm on stage, I don't care who they are. And a fellow walked past and was going, and he was like a bad lad, you know, just come out for doing like manslaughter or something. I was going, oh, hang on, here's the big hard case. I wish I could fucking fight, mate, like you fucking walk, you fucking prick. I'll punch your fucking head in. <laughs> but everyone's laughing. It was funny as well. Yeah. See what I mean? It was just the way I do it. He was laughing. It's not, it's offensive, but it's not, if you know what I mean. So he said to me, look, Frank, I want you to come back and do a show for me on a Sunday night. The same as what you've done here today. I'll get you on the road. I'll give you 15 quid. But Bill, in those days, I was on the dole. That was like a fortune, you know? Yeah. So I'd done the show for him on a Sunday night for 15 quid. And then he started to get me work. In those days, the social clubs were booming. Conservative clubs, Labour clubs, all over the country. They had um, liberal clubs. They had like private tennis clubs, bowls clubs, soccer clubs, football clubs, rugby clubs. But they always had two or three acts on during the night because it was booming in the late 70s, early 80s. The group on, female singer and a comic and maybe a hypnotist even to start off with, a novelty act. So what they used to do with me, because I was only a kid and I could only do 10 minutes, when the band was stripping the gear down, taking the drums down and taking the PA system down, there used to be an interval of about 15 minutes waiting to clear the stage. So I'd go on in front of them when they were clearing the stage. And it just went from there, Bill. Brilliant, brilliant. Have you ever, um, well, that must have, uh, you know, savaging people and roasting people. Yeah. Did that have an impact on, like, uh, on your on, on your well-being and a sense of, like, people wanted to fucking do your in and stuff? Well, yeah, Billy, I'm the first to say, people, I've heard people say, Frankie Allen's crackers, he's fucking mental. Yeah. But I found out at a very early age, the more I attack people, the bigger laugh I get. Yeah. The more offensive things I say, it's difficult to, it's like, you know the comedian Jimmy Cricket? Yeah. Now I worked with him. 
He came out with a pair of wellies on. He's got this character where he's like a fucking idiot. He's got this funny hat on. And I was listening to his gags. And his gags are very, very silly. Yeah. So the audience, it was going down great, don't get me wrong. It was fantastic. He's getting big laughs, not really from his gags, from the person that he is. Yeah. Suits the gag, if you know what I mean. He'd done this gag, and I thought it was funny. He said, uh, I got a letter here. I'll read this letter. We're reading this letter. He goes, uh, it's from your mother. And she says, your Auntie Josie and your Uncle Billy had a gas explosion in the house. They were both thrown through the window into the street. And uh, Josie's over the moon. She said, it's the first time we've been out together in 15 years. <laughs> and it's silly, yeah. but it works for them. Now, I found out the more I pick on people, the more, and even with women, Billy, I can have a go at birds, you know, and say, mate, is that your bird? Can't you get anyone fucking better than that cunt? And everyone laughs. So obviously it suits my image, yeah, if you yeah, know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not a total fucking dickhead idiot. You've got to watch yourself in certain situations. If I see someone can't handle it and it looks like they're kicking off, I'll move on to someone else. And I have had trouble, Bill. I've had a lot of trouble. But the trouble I've had has nothing to do with me act, really. Mm. You know, something else. So, yeah, I walk a fine line. I walk a tight rope. But I'm not just saying it. I can take an audience to a higher level of laughter mm. than anybody else. And the secret is... I'm frightening the laps out of them, if you know what I mean. Not by telling them gags. I'm in. I'm doing it in real time. A lot of comics go out and they go, yeah. Uh, two fellas went into a library. One had the green book. One had the blue book. So straight away the audience are thinking they're trying to imagine him in a library. Green book, blue book. I'm doing it in real time. Fella walks past and I go, what's going on here? Fuck! Look at it. Oh fuck! Fucking paedophile. Well, how come they let a paedophile in here? So he like half kicks off. So I get huge laughs with doing stuff like that. It's something I can't understand really, yeah. but it's probably <laughs> something to do with the way you look, if you yeah. know what I mean. It's a tough look, isn't it? It's a tough look. Tell me that story. You mentioned it to me a while back about uh, the Elvish. Well, Billy, this was strange. This an agency rang me. It's about nine, eight years ago or something like that. And he said, Frankie... And just to kind of show you the background to the story, I couldn't get any work for years because they wanted clean comedians in the clubs and pubs. So any rough pub that came on anywhere in the UK that no one else would do, I got booked in there, put yeah. Frankie in there. It doesn't matter if he gets an Iden. Because <laughs> he can take it. He's had a few Idens. And, you know, it'd be, and when I got, I got nearly killed in Manchester, I went on stage the next night. With like one of my eyes closed, I mean, but I still need the money bill. So they knew how resilient I was and didn't work anywhere. So this agent rang me up and gave me this job, and they said it's so and so restaurant in Speak. And I said I know Speak like the back of my hand. I don't know any fucking restaurant there. She don't know it's a lovely place. Now I don't want to mention the name of the pub bill just in case it's still up there and. Don't offend anyone. It it's might not be the Noah's Ark, is it? Somebody it wasn't the Noah's actually, because <laughs> I used to do the Noah's all the time for the Rosses. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. A great venue and lovely people, the Rosses, you know, that's Jerry Rossi and Ross. Yeah, that's closed. It's now. gone now. It was another pub anyway. Can I say it, do you think? Or yeah, it's fine. It not? was the Flying Saucer. Yeah, yeah. That's anyway, the Flying Saucer speak. So I get down there and it was that what it was it in Damwood, was it, or all one of those roads? Yeah, anyway. Yeah. So I'm driving my car down this road looking for this restaurant and I thought, fucking hell, fucking rough round here. The next thing is about, I've never seen it in my life and I'm, I'm from Kensington. Round the corner came about a hundred dogs altogether with the, <laughs> with the tails up in the air. And even the fucking dogs had trainers on, Billy, you know what I mean? Even the dogs, even the dogs were like trackied up. So the dogs, oh, this is fucking rough. All over this wall, fucking Jerry... Billy and all this, Tony, um, Evo is a grass, uh, Pedo, Billy, all the fucking walls plastered, rough as fuck. <laughs> so I go, okay, where's the pro? Saw this fucking like a shed, like, and I says, this is the fucking place I've got to work in. So I go in there, wind's coming through the window. I said, what's happening here? And the girl said, we got petrol bomb last night. <laughs> the fucking wall's black with soot. And all these lads are in there, all smoking draw, marijuana, off the fucking heads. Straight away, I was nearly fighting. A fella came up to me. 
and he's got this chewing gum <laughs> and he keeps putting it on my neck. Yeah. So fucking about this chewing gum. So I said, what are you doing, mate? And I've learned, Billy, to look after myself. You can't let yourself get intimidated by anyone. You've got to kind of bite back straight away. Mm. So he goes to put his hand with his chewing gum on my neck, trying to take the piss. So I just felt like that fucking hit him on the head. I said, don't fuck about, mate, you fucking dickhead. And his mate went, sorry, I must go all that. But then he quietened down. He thought, well, he's not soft. We won't pick on him. Then the other act came in, Billy, and he was an Elvis Presley impersonator from Birmingham. Yeah. I'd worked with him before, <laughs> and he came up to me, and he was terrified. Terrified, he came up and he went, fucking hell, Frankie, what the fuck's this you brought me to? I said, I didn't give you the job. Don't fancy this, mate, it's fucking rough, this is fucking rough. I said, look, I'm here, it's going to be okay. So I went on, went down well. Then the guy who was doing Elvis came out with all his Elvis suits on, big cape, he had a wig on. <laughs> Billy, I've never heard such a tirade of abuse from anyone. <laughs> he was singing, The Wonder of You. And a fella shouted, The Wonder of Your Fucking Bollocks, mate. Look at the fucking balls on this cunt. So everyone's screaming, laughing, You fucking dickhead. You're not fucking Elvis, you cross eyed twat. So you can see he's on the, he's trying to sing, but he's shaking. Anyway, he comes off, he, he kind of cuts his, uh, his session very short, and he's in the back room, and it's one of these rooms in the back of the pub where there's crates <laughs> of beer everywhere, and, and he's got like his shirt off, and he's shaking, Billy. And he says, Frankie, I want to see the manager, mate. Will you get the manager? I'm not going back on, I'm not going back on. You know, they can keep the money, Frankie, I don't care. <laughs> So I said, all right. So the manager came and he was a big lad. He said, what's up? He said, now I'm going to get my head kicked in. I don't want to do it. <laughs> so I said, look, you won't get your head kicked in. I'll tell the lads, fucking behave yourselves. There won't be any trouble. I'm here. The thingy, you know, the manager, in case it goes off. Now, Frankie, I don't fancy it, mate. I want to go home. Take me home. So I said, okay, okay. Well, don't go on. So he didn't go back on, but he's waiting for me. He paid him and all that good enough. So I went on, done another session. It was hard work, get knuckled, but I savaged them more than they savaged me. So the next thing is, I'm talking to the manager. So I said, uh, what's happened to the Elvis Presley impersonator? He said, I think he's gone home, Frank. He's, 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 uh, he got fed up and he's gone. I said, oh, you know, I thought he would have said uh, goodbye, you know, all that. So as I was talking to him, I can hear, Look at it, what the fuck that head? Frankie! Says, Where the fuck's that coming from? So I looked through the window, could see something in the car park. So me and the manager ran out, there's a gang of lads in the car park. This fella's got Elvis Presley by his hands and he's wheeling them round. And as he's doing, like going round, like, this fella's fucking hitting them. So. I ran over, fuck off and all that. So I hit this fella. I won't tell you the fella's name because you know him. He was managing the place and he was a handy lad. Yeah. He hit the other fella and he scarped. He ran away. So he's on the floor like that and his nose was gone. You felt terrible, Billy, you know, bringing people to our city. We've got a bad name enough as it is, you know yeah. what I mean? And he's lying there. But it was funny because he's dressed as Elvis. He's got this big thing on his wigs on one side. He'd fucked off. He'd ran out thinking I'll just get in my car. He'd left all his stuff in the club. And uh, he was on the floor and he was going, Frankie, get me out, mate. Get me out. Get the police. <laughs> and the manager said, the police won't help you around here, mate. Fucking frightened to come here. <laughs> so I got him in his car and I was sitting in the car with him and we drove down the road. He was terrified. And uh, Billy, I felt so sorry for him. He was very, very shocked. And that was the first time, really, that I realised, you know, maybe some of the places I'm going to are kind of like... Uh, too rough, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it's fucking hell. You're putting yourself in situations there that you don't need to, innit? Quite a violent uh, way of living. So, what kind of beatings did you take yourself, personally? Well, I've took a few, Bill. <laughs> Tell me about it, Frank. Over the, years. Yourself, over the years. Well, what normally happens, I mean, I go to Manchester, I do very well in Manchester, the lads in Manchester love me, but... A few years ago, you're always going to get a gang of lads and it's over the football, every city in Britain. 
Yeah. Is a kind of hate the next town. Like Ipswich and Norwich hate each other. You know, a mate of mine told me, if you live in Chester and you went into Wrexham, if you had this, like a Chester shirt on or something, you'd end up getting filled in. Blackpool and Preston hate each other, Glasgow and Edinburgh, Newcastle and, uh, Newcastle and Sunderland despise each other. And you can really get in trouble anywhere in the UK just for being from a different place. So the worst I had, Bill, I was in this uh, place in uh, Bolton, Manchester, and it was just after the Hillsborough disaster. And uh, these gang of lads came in and the DJs mentioned who they were, bad family, you know. And they said, oh, they'd done a fella in the chippy last week. They give it to him for nothing, you know. And I said, oh, fuck. And uh, they started heckling me just for being a scouser and saying horrible things about the Hillsborough disaster, which had only been a few weeks before. And I had two brothers there, Bill, you mm. know. Thank God they were okay. So when I come off, this fella said to me, you know, I told you to get back to Hillsborough and all that, you scouse bastard and all that. So uh, I just fucking spatted him, Billy, you know what I mean? And, <laughs> and then I butted him and he had these glasses on. And I remember the glass all shattering, you know. But then there was like six or seven of them. And this big fella hit me on the side of the head. Got bottled. And Billy, as I say, nobody, even the likes of yourself and all that, you're hard-pressed to fight five or six fellas. You lose all your coordination and everything. So it's just gone. Got all my teeth knocked out. My nose broke. Um, I think I actually got a bit of brain damage because it's strange, mm. you know. My lad, mm. was a, when my lad was a baby. Before I got the good hiding... Um, I used to watch things on the telly and, you know, he always used to love watching Sesame Street. Yeah. So about two weeks after I come out of hospital, I was sitting with me lad watching Sesame Street, Billy, and I couldn't stop laughing. I used to sit there like that, laughing. Uh, you know, the fella in the bin, Oscar. I thought he was fucking hilarious. I think he must have done something to me, you know, and Big Bear, I thought it was hilarious. So anyway, the police didn't want to know Bill about it and, you know, one of those things. But... Uh, you know, Billy, what goes around comes around. I believe it. You know, after, yeah, it's, I believe yeah. you had a bit of bad luck soon after. You know, yeah, it's I've been a similar experience, Frankie. Where you know, it's not like a Bruce Lee movie, is it? You know, you're gonna get it, you get it, and it hurts. You know what I mean? Sometimes you don't get back up. No. You know, and I think our ego and our pride comes before. Well, it reality. does, Bill. Yeah. I've made a few mistakes. Well, I'll say made mistakes over the years. I've always had a thing. My stage personality seems to kind of like sometimes, like yourself, Bill, you're a different person when you're fighting professionally. Yeah. You become a different, you get like a different, like a metamorphosis, you tear into somebody else, don't you? Yeah. But as the years go by and the more and more you're doing it, you kind of like become that person, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So the problem with me, Bill, is, is not backing down when I needed to, if you know what I mean. Being a bit silly about it. Yeah. If someone's been funny with me, instead of saying, okay, mate, take it easy, you know, uh, you know, don't mean it's only a laugh. I've gone. It's, and it's, it's a part of my stage personality in some ways. You know, I've had birds say to me, yeah. you know, birds finish with me over it to say, fucking, now listen, calm down. You're not on the stage now. Don't talk to me like that. Yeah. But it kind of like, it's like um, being a schizophrenic. You've got your stage personality. Yeah. And you've got your kind of. Um, you know, Frankie Allen and... Frankie the Persian. Frankie, Frankie the Persian. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes, and I've noticed over the last 15, 20 years, the Frankie Allen stage persona has kind of taken over. It's fascinating, really. There was a movie, wasn't it, about... Um, what was that guy in, in, in a film about a ventriloquist doll? And he used to talk through the doll, and in the end, the, uh, the doll took him... The doll was telling him to commit murder. Anthony Hopkins mm. in a film called about a ventriloquist. And he had this ventriloquist. He used to go on stage, but he took it like when he went in the dressing room, the vent, the doll would be sitting there, and he'd make the doll say something to him. Mm. The doll would say, "You were fucking rubbish tonight." Then he'd kick off. Who are you talking to? Then he's arguing with himself, and in the end, he committed murder because the doll told him to. Mm. So I mean, that's an extreme thing, but I do think that you know your stage persona can take over in the end, yeah. So, yeah, it's like trying to separate that. Yeah. Uh, the stage persona from from the Frankie Allen persona. You know, yeah. For, see, yeah, and, and, and I identified with the, um, all, all the violence and um, the fear and standing up and, 
not not backing down. That's got me in a lot of trouble over the years. Yeah. You know that that pride and that ego. The pride. See, I I'll stand toe to toe with anyone. Yeah. You know, but I'm not gonna win every fight. And I know that there's there's if there's there's people out there that just think, well, you know what, I'm gonna take a back step here. Or I should take a back step, but I don't, and get an iron anyway. Well, you know what I mean, I think another thing with me, Bill, that's where I've run into trouble, because I've been on the stage for so long, it's like anyone who does any job, it becomes second nature. Yeah. So even off stage, if somebody says something to me, I come back straight away. You know, I can say something horrible back to them. Just say, for instance, I had trouble in one place off stage. Fella said something to me, you know, this was before I had my head shaved and whatever, I had a big head of beard, it was about 10 years ago. Walked into this place and he went, gang of lads, and he went, fucking hell, here's John Travolta. With me being dark and the dark hair and all that. Now, a lot of people would have gone, ah, oh, that's right, mate, yeah, spitting image. But because I've been tuned in to saying things to people straight away, I said, who the fuck are you? I live in Newton John. You know, then it just went off and yeah. I ended up, I got stabbed then, Bill. I lost a lot of blood, you know. You got stabbed? Yeah. Fucking hell. Stabbed. Billy was very lucky because I only had one of my mates with me. We were fighting these fellas, about 25, 30 fellas. And I was I was hitting this fella. And I remember it. I thought, fucking hell, there's no wasps in here, is there? It felt like a little bit of a bee sting on my neck. Got stabbed in the neck, Bill. And it was only... The doctor said, you're very lucky here. Look at this, he said. And you could see that, what is the carotid artery or something? Yeah, yeah. It was like it was right next to it, he said. A little millimetre across, he would have been killed. So I lost a lot of blood, though, and stabbed in the back. So, uh, but Billy got over it, you know. He got over it. <laughs> but, <laughs> that's it. That's what, it's like, it's just so similar, you know, like stuff like you just get over it, don't you? You get over it. People, people Billy, become... You, other people have become traumatised and, and separate themselves and isolate themselves from society and wouldn't go out, would they? Billy, exactly right. I got stabbed. They had an ambulance outside. I wouldn't get in here. I just said, let me go home. They said they needed a blood transfusion. The fucking blood was everywhere. Fuck it, no. Um, they got a doctor in. The doctor stitched me on site, stitched me back and whatever. Um, got home about... It was an afternoon thing, so I got home about five o'clock. I was working that night. I went to work. Back to work. Back to work. Drove down to Macclesfield. I mean, I was ill, you know what I mean? It felt terrible. Yeah. But I still worked and I still came home. And I think that's why, you know, keeps you alive, Bill. You've got to, you've got to be resilient. You've got to roll with the punches. Why? Whatever atmosphere in your life, you've got to roll with it. Why is it, right, that you think that people like ourselves, right, that can, that can get, you know, that can be subjected to... To, to violence, you know, I've had the bits yeah. off of being stabbed, I've been yeah. shot, you know, I haven't been shot, I've been shot at, you know what I mean? Yeah. Which is, you know, dodged a few bullets in, in my lifetime. But um, that that extremist in us, you know what I mean? That excitement. For me, it yeah. was um, it was that adrenaline and rush. You know, I enjoyed that really? kind of way of living. But as I've got older, yeah. as I've got older, I've, I've become more aware and I've become more mature in, in the way I look at life and think to myself, you know, there's that breath where it separates the men from the boys and you think, okay, walk away from this. Live to fight another day. You can do that. I do that quite a lot. Now, as you get older... Now, as you get older, you've got you it, know, haven't what you? Did, what they say in Liverpool, you swallow, don't you? Swallow your pride. Yeah. You, you go, okay, mate. You know, and you walk away. But I think with the likes of yourself and myself and an awful lot of fellas who've grown up in Liverpool, um, the first few years of your life domestically at home, Bill, yeah. really shapes the way that you are. And we've all seen violence at home, mm, haven't we? Yeah, I have. Seen you know, that. we've seen and been we, we've all been the subject of violence. So what know? was it? What was it like in your household growing up? Did you have one of those Victorian dads? You were like knocking fuck out of you every fucking other day because I did. You know what I mean? I don't know why. Well, Bill, I had obviously had me my brother who was ill, taking fits all the time. It was a terrible. Bed, not my mum and my dad, but my dad was probably not much different than most fathers in Liverpool during the sixties and seventies. Yeah, you know, they didn't say, "Look, go to your room. You've been naughty." Oh, <laughs> you, you got battered. Fucking battered. But that was the way of life. Not, yeah. to, not just for me, 
or for you, you know, if you knew, if you'd done something wrong, say for instance, you know, I, me and me mate, Foxy Peter, we threw, uh, just for a laugh, I don't know why we done it, we threw a brick at this shop that went through the window. So the, the people who owned the shop, it was only two doors down from where we lived, they knew it was me. So they went, so my mum said, okay, wait till your dad gets in. So I knew that my dad wasn't going to give me a lecture and he wasn't going to say, write a hundred times on a piece of paper, I must not break windows. I knew he wasn't going to stay in, you're, you know, say you're grounded for a week. Yeah. You can't or go take off. your iPhone off you. Or take your iPhone. I knew he wasn't going to slap me on the back of the hand. Billy. Or punch your head in. Just got fucking battered. Yeah. And as you know, Bill, and I know, it didn't matter if you were 12 or you were yeah. 15. Your dad used to attack you as though you were a man in the street. <laughs> yeah. As right. though he was having a straightener on the corner. My half fella looked like him. Some Shellac from Magnum, you know what I mean? Really? And I remember years ago, we had this fucking big mad muzzy, you know, the black hair and that. And I used to be fucking terrified of him, you know what I mean? And uh, my mum says, hey, you know, your, your dad's going to fuck me. You wait till your dad gets home. Yeah, fuck and I remember, fear, I remember fucking running from him and he used to drive over these fucking fences like he was hurtling towards me. And yeah. it was just, just it was horrible, horrible. And you wouldn't come home for fucking hours, if, if, in fact, days, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because you knew what you were getting. I'd sleep on the streets to avoid an iron. I mean, Billy, to be, to, to be brutally honest, and you, you've obviously got to go along with this, and, and I'd say an awful lot of lads who live in Liverpool, being brought up as a scouser gives you a lot of advantages with regard to... Uh, you can't save yourself in a life-threatening situation. Yeah. Even, I'm not saying just kind of like, however capable... You are a fighting someone. You can always see a way out of things as well, can't you? Yeah, I think. I mean, I had some fellas kicking off on me. It was only a couple of years ago, but something had happened in this club, and uh, I was going to get me this table of lads kicked off. A bit all whatever. I don't know what it was, but they were ready to punch me head in, and this other table kicked off on me. And I thought, and I've been in life-threatening situations. Straight away, I went, "I'm going to get killed here." So. A lot of people would have just stood there, Billy, and, and being ki- would have got killed. And instinctively, I just looked around in this club, saw this door, and it was behind the bar, and I thought, could be a broom cupboard, could be anything. Billy, not ashamed to tell you, I just fucking ran behind the bar, ran through this door, and it was like a corridor, and it, it, it led to the other side of the club. Ran like fuck through the car park. It's like an instinct in a survival. yeah. yeah. Ran through the car park, jumped in my car. As I came around the corner to get out of the car park, Billy, there was about 15 lads waiting for me. Yeah. So I would have got killed, you yeah, know. Yeah, there's no mention about it. So there? it's a good thing when you're streetwise, when you've been brought up a little bit kind of yeah. like uh, on the wild side, it does give you that edge that you yeah. know how to, and you can see things as well, Bill. Yeah, the, you, you can see things. Um, you've, got, you've got that, like that you've advantage. Got that edge. Yeah. You know, for instance, I could be out with you, Bill. We could be in a pub somewhere. Um, and you might say to me, uh, Frankie, uh, that fella over there in the corner, next to that woman who's got the hat on, uh, he's going to kick off. Now, a lot of people out of town would say, hang on a minute, Billy, how do you know that? See? But you just know, you pick it up, it's an instinct. You know, I went to Carlisle last year. We walked in, we have our security. My lad's with me, he's my manager, and he's a fantastic manager, and he's very clever. He knows everything about the business, you know. He went to the lip of the performing arts school, and he was bringing rap acts over from the States to perform in England, so he, he knows his stuff. So we walked into this club, and there was a table of lads. They got there early at six o'clock, and as I walked past into the dressing room, this fella said, Oh, you're the comedian, are you? I said, okay. So we went in dressing room and the security came in we'd have about four or five lads on done like a briefing my lad was there the manager of the club everyone was queuing up outside this was six days he built so uh, anybody want to say anything and whatever and i said yeah get that table out and my lad said what do you mean that that table that we walked past get them all out now hmm. i said we can't do that i said well they're going to kick off he went, they're not going to kick off that. I said, look, 
They've been on the ale all day. I knew straight away, Bill. They're beaked up. They're on the coke. Fellow was trying to be smart like that. I knew straight away. If he's like that at 6.30 and I saw the gob on his mate, his mate looked a bit snidey. Mm. You know, you just get on it. I was though, go, well, I'll have a go at you. Billy, you get on it, don't you? So I said, get them all out. So the security said, well, we can't just throw them out, Frank, like that. They've done nothing, you know. I said, okay. Went on stage, half seven. Great, first half was fantastic. Um, sorry, the Jimmy Kilbinson, our support comedian, went on at half seven. Went down brilliant, fantastic. Lad from Middlesbrough, great comedian, brought house down. I went on, you were fantastic, lovely, great. In the second half, I'm going out. And before I went out for the final kind of spot, you know, my lad said, those lads were all right, Dad, weren't they? I went, no, I don't, I don't know. Went out on stage, being on stage about five minutes, kicked off, kicked off. And it was the same lad that I said, get him out at six o'clock. He kicked off, who the fuck are you? And all that. Billy, the next thing is security had to go throw him out. Yeah, so you're on it, aren't and you? And then his mates were like that. You know, that one Billy where they're trying to get him out and his mates going, get off, get off. <laughs> you know that one Billy who, hey, mate, don't touch me, don't touch me. All I say. Yeah, all I say. But he got him out. But I said to the lads, the security, and one of them came up to so was kind of amazed, you know. He said, Frankie, can I ask you something? I said, what is it? He went, I'm not being funny, how did you know those lads were going to kick off? I said, you fucking know, I could just tell, it's just an instinct. You know, and I've been in some hairy situations, Bill, and you never know who's going to give you trouble. You'd be very surprised. Yeah. Where you think you're going to get trouble in rough areas and places where fellas can't handle the stick that you're giving them, they're going to kick off. I've had very high class people, like snobby people kicking off. I've done a show once down in... Um, Oswald Street, the Lion Keys Hotel in Oswald Street. And there was a fellow there. And the, the guys were saying, he's a multi-millionaire. All this, he's a billionaire. And thought he was big time. And I was on stage doing me act and he kept talking. I said, hey, mate, shut up. Put your teeth in, back to front, you chew your head off. And he carried on talking. I said, hey, fat ass, shut your fucking fat mouth. Then I started picking on him. Weren't you in the butchers? I said, I wasn't in the butchers. I said, you fucking were. You said to the butcher, hey, mate, is that a pig's head in the window? And he said, no, it's a mirror. <laughs> yeah. And he didn't like it. But Billy, I came off stage. This is a fellow in his 60s. Spoke to be a millionaire. He'd been kicking off. But I give it to him in the end. Everyone was laughing. But he mustn't have liked the humiliation because yeah. he thought he was the lord of the manor where he lived in that part of fucking Oswald Street. So next thing he fucking flies over. <laughs> I'm walking through the crowd to the bar with um, Willie Thorne, you know, the snooker player. He yeah, was on yeah. with me, he's just died, and he, good lad, Willie. Um, and Willie said, What's going on here? So he runs over. So he grabs me fucking fingers. This is what a lot of them try and do. They'll try and squeeze your fingers or bend them back just in case you're on camera so it, do, it doesn't look like they're hitting you. Yeah, you yeah. Know what I mean? So he's going like that, bend it. I said, what are you fucking doing? So he's going, Billy, I'll never forget. He goes, the face on him, and he, it's like the hatred, you know, like the devil. And he's going, God, take the piss out of me. Because <laughs> he thought he was big time, this yeah. fucking millionaire. So he's, and I just said to myself, my fingers go back one fucking, a little <laughs> tiny bit more. So he goes, and we're going right back, Billy. I just went, fuck off. Banged him on the side of the mouth like that. And he went, Ugh. then they're all screaming. Then, what did you, what did you tell me for? <laughs> He's 63. He takes it out. They're going, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so, Willie Thorns there. Willie was a good lad. He was backing me up. Come on, Frankie, let's get out. So, he fucked off. And all. But, Billy, as I say, I'll take stick off people, but I'm not there as a punch bag. Yeah. You know, for anyone who thinks, and you get a lot of that with people. You know, the comedian or the comedian. Let's have a laugh with the comedian. Take the piss out of the, as though you're you're a kind of a puppet. We used to do these barges in the eighties called the Wheelton Barge, and it was a barge that went on a canal between Chorley and Bolton. A lot of lads used to have stag do's on. They'd have strippers on, and I'd be on them all. 
telling gags and it was dead funny we going down these locks and the locks are filling up and I'd be going uh, uh, telling gags and they'd all be shouting you're going down well Frankie <laughs> you know so this particular time Bill just singing these songs a lot of these fellas from out of town they could play rugby and things and they sing these like rugby songs and it's fucking mad I mean we don't like it we're scousers but they're going one of them's going um, on the first day of Christmas and the, and the other fella goes on the second day of Christmas, <laughs> Tony Reynolds gets me his, his old man city shirt, a, a sock, and his crayons that he used at his brother's wedding. All his fuck. So they're all singing these fucking songs. So, Billy, we're going through this, wherever it was, a canal, pitch black. So, they, and, so they're all standing up singing. This fella stands up and he starts singing. Throw Frankie off the badge. <laughs> Let's throw Frankie off the badge. <laughs> so they're all singing. Let's throw Frankie off the badge. I went, you can fuck off. <laughs> anyway, the next thing you build, they all fucking pick me up. So they're running round this badge. Billy, I thought I'm gonna die here. <laughs> if I fall in the water here, I'm gone. I'm gonna drown. So they're running round this fucking badge. Billy, you don't know I've done it. I got off them, you know, I managed to get off them. And, and again, like, I fucking ran into, like, this part of the where the bar was and things, got behind the bar and just put my arms around this fucking pipe. And they kind of give up in a way. Mm. But I know it's not just me, Bill. I know I can name... They won't like it because they're not like me. They're not as honest as me. Yeah. I can tell you right now, four comedians, one's a lad up from the Lake District, there's two or three, Yorkshire, whatever. I can mention four comedians who've been filled in on the clubs over the last 10 years. And one of them got, one of them, a friend of mine, he was working this place in Swinton in Manchester. And uh, he went in the toilet afterwards and a fellow come in and he went, uh, you're crap. <laughs> <laughs> and he went, okay. And he went, you're crap. <laughs> and I've had the same myself. I was doing this place in Fleetwood and it was a caravan park. And when it went on, he'd left the music on. There was music on while I was on. I had a bad time. So I come off and this fella's at the uh, bar and he's just leaning looking at me. So uh, he says, can I tell you something? So I said, go on. He went, you're shit. <laughs> so I said, okay. I said, can I tell you something? He said, what is it? I said, you're fucking ugly. <laughs> So he goes, <laughs> anyway, so his mate came over. So he goes, what do you think of him? So his mate goes, absolute crap. <laughs> so I said, okay. I said, listen, mate. I said, you know, he's ugly. I said, have you seen your fucking head? You look like a horse. You've got a huge, that's the biggest dead I've ever seen. You need to top yourself. Why don't you take your own life, you ugly cunt? Anyway, they didn't know what to say. They were flabbergasted. So as I walked out, <laughs> it's always like the tension with me, Bill, is getting in your car. Because yeah. I've had a lot of people who wait outside for you. Do you see you going to your car? <laughs> I'm walking to my car. And as I'm walking across the car park, this fella shouts, is that it then? <laughs> so I said, is that it? What do you mean? And the next thing is this fella came out with him, Bill. Fuck, I don't know. They must have been their mate. <laughs> must have been about six foot six. Fucking big fella. I knew he would have killed me, left me for dead. And he was there. And he, Billy was rolling his sleeves up. <laughs> so I said, and I knew where my car was. I thought, no, they'll get me. They'll catch me before I get to the car. <laughs> so I turned around and I walked up to these fellas and thought, Frankie, you better think of something. So I said, listen, mate, can I have a word? And he said, look, I'm sorry for insulting you and all that. I said, uh, my bird's just died. <laughs> and thingy. Billy didn't like us, he couldn't sush it out. Yeah. You know, these are fellas from like out of town, what we'd call woolly backs. Yeah, yeah. This fella goes, how have you been kicking off? He goes, oh no, he says, oh no, Frankie, that won't do it. No wonder you're in a foul humour. <laughs> oh my. Now the big fella goes, Mark, you know, this was like Bolton, Blackburn or somewhere. They're nearly like fucking, 
He'll look at each other. He goes, "Oh, he says, my commiserations to you." No wonder you're becoming aggressive. He said, obviously. Oh, he said, this hasn't... And when did she pass, Frankie? I went. She died in Tesco's last <laughs> night. She just collapsed. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so I said, that's why I'm like this tonight. So the fellow who was kicking off goes, come here, Frankie. <laughs> So he gives me a hug. Anyway, Billy, I went, it's okay. Yeah. Come on back in and have a drink with us. I said, no, it's okay. Oh, oh it's shocking. <laughs> no, one, no wonder you were, and the fellow went, hard face bastard, he went, no wonder you were rubbish tonight. <laughs> I said, I said, she only died at four o'clock. I didn't want to let the place down. It's eight o'clock now. He went, oh, oh. Anyway, got in my car, Billy, spun the car around. They're standing at the door, and I went like that. I went, hey, you, you cunt. <laughs> to the big fella, you, and he went, oh. I said, hey, you big shit, and you, you little ugly cunt. I'm back here tomorrow with 50 fellas. You're going, mate. You're going. You're going straight to the cemetery. I'm going to kill a three. Kill a three. Went berserk, Billy. Anyway, they ran after the car, like that. And as I'm coming out the car park, Billy, you won't believe this, I swear to God. It's one of those fucking things where you press it. Where you press it number. They caught up to the back of the car. One of them was on the fucking bonnet. It's like trying to drag the car back. Now I knew the number. Yeah. And could the agent give me a picture. And I'm like, oh, putting the number in. And I was going, I'm screaming. And it came up. Billy got away. Yeah, that's what it's like. Okay, uh, that's... <laughs> Too much, yeah. Loads of cases like that, Bill. A few years ago, me and these two strippers yeah. were working in Silverdale Golf Club down in Stoke. Had a great night. This is how long ago was was Bill. My car had an aerial on it. <laughs> like you remember the steel aerials? Yeah. Getting the car, so these jangle lads. <laughs> so I, I, getting into my car. So as I get in the car, these lads come up to the car. Fella goes like that, knocks. Billy, some of them out of town, hard face bastards, you know. <laughs> Knocks on the window, and I said, What? He went, I hate scousers. I fucking hate them. I said, Go away. Right? I said, Where are you from, mate? And he went, Round here. I said, Stoke, yeah. I said, Yeah, Stoke Football Club. I said, You've won fuck all, you fucking dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I snapped the aerial on the car, drove away as I'm driving away. They all jumped in the car, so he started chasing us. So they're chasing us through the countryside. The girls are screaming, Bill, bumper to bumper. Every now and then they catch up with us and hit the back of the car. They wanted to kill us. Driving through the fucking countryside. And, uh, <laughs> Billy, I don't, you know, well, I'll tell you what happened. So one of the girls who's in the front seat with me, one of the strippers, she's going, Frankie, Frankie, we're going to get killed. Frankie, what should we do? Billy was in the 80s, there was no mobile, no mobile phones. Couldn't phone the police or nothing like that. There was nothing we could do. We were just driving and driving, hoping that we'd get to a place where it was all lit up like a town or somewhere where you might see a police car or something like that because we are going to get killed. Now, do you remember the crew clocks, Bill, that you used to have? The which? Crew clock. No, no. Yeah, but a lot of people watching this remember the crew clock. In the 80s, there wasn't really alarms for cars, so you had this metal crew clock. You'd put it over your... Um, break and you'd put it over your gear stick yeah. and you'd lock it and then it's like a padlock then nobody could steal your car so I had this Ford Capri I was driving in and had this yellow crew clock in it so I'm driving like that so I went to this bird I said throw this crew clock at them throw it at the windscreen <laughs> but she was a hard bastard you know from uh, from fucking Moss Side in Manchester. She went, what you, they don't give a fuck, they're like scousers. She went, what do you want to do, Frankie? I said, throw the crew clock at their car. <laughs> so she threw it like that, Billy, fuck off, bang, smashed their windscreen and bounced off. So they stopped. That's how we got away. Fucking bizarre. Some stories there, mate. How old are you now? Billy, don't want to talk about my age on the air, you know. Fucking <laughs> hell, <laughs> you're like a bird. watching you. Like a bird. So what's um, what's going on for you today? 
all that's going on today, my phone broke. I've got to go and get a new screen for my phone. Um, I'm going to see me lad uh, up in Crosby. We done one of those lives last night. Yeah. You know, people can send questions in. So I'm trying to do that. We've got a few more memos to do. We're, you know, wishing people happy birthday, this and that. So, yeah, great, Bill. Yeah, so is your life, like, it's a, it's, it's far, you're far removed from from that years ago, all that way of living, well, the Billy, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky in a way that, you know, it's like everything else, Bill. We all know people. Yeah. You know some very heavy people. We're all connected. Mm. We all know each other as scousers. And you'll always get someone to back you up. But isn't it funny, when anything happens to you, you're always on your own, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. You know, when you get trouble, you're on your own. You're never with, like, three or four lads. And maybe that's why you get picked on. So, thank God I've reached the stage when the video went viral and I got kind of famous, going all over the UK, selling out shows on tour. Then we can afford, now we have our own security. We've been let down by some of them haven't been too good, but the majority of them, mm. people won't take a chance, they won't kick off. Because you know you've is got. It, is it? It's it's a lot. It's a lot. It's, it's also a lot safer these days than it was back then. Um, yes and no, Bill. I think you can always. You've only got to pick the paper up to see if you're on your own. You can end up in trouble in town, can't you? This physio that went viral. Yeah. How many? How many hits did it get? Well, what happened, Bill? I'll tell you the story very quickly. I've worked on the clubs for forty years. Been everywhere, all over the UK. Struggles. Got a bit of a name, you know, a good name, like in the north of England, everybody knew me, the Midlands, but never really had a break. And it was heartbreaking watching comedians on the television that uh, I knew weren't as good as me. Yeah. And they were like millionaires and had their own shows. But because I was like an offensive comedian, blue, swearing. Chubby Brown uh, kind of Chubby Brown kind of thing. And I always believed in what I do. I always say to people, anybody watching this who wants to be a comic, or any field that you're in, any way in life, any avenue that you're taking, just never give up on what you think is right. If you've got a conviction about something, I used to watch the comics on the telly, the alternative comedians, and I used to say to myself, these are fucking rubbish. Mm. This is crap. What I do, telling jokes and picking on people, I know it's funny, and I'm getting a good reaction, so I'll never give up on it. Anyway... Father's Day 2018, I'm down in uh, Barry's Bar in West Derby doing a show in the afternoon. Now, Derry Matthews was there. I know he's a mate of yours, mate of mine as well, the boxer, world champ. And he's with a mate of his, Woodsy. So I'm ready to, ready to go on at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And this Woodsy's sitting there. He's got his phone. And he's got it resting against a pint glass. And it's filming. So I said, oh, look, Woodsy, don't film me, mate. Switch it off. Okay, I said, I don't want anything getting out. So, I didn't know he was filming me. And maybe that's what made the video so popular because it looks dead natural, you see. You can see it's not staged. I've been on for about two minutes and then this fella started heckling me, a Scottish fella. And he's like shouting out, you know, I'll put you on your arse, I'll put you on your arse. And I said, hey mate, you couldn't drag a fella off your mother, you fucking dickhead. And uh, you're in course, aren't you, for having sex with a cat? <laughs> but the judge will never believe any Scotsman will put anything in a kitty. <laughs> so he didn't like it, and he had his son-in-law with him, who was like laughing, but like kicking off a little bit. So he was having a go with him. Then he went to the toilet. When he came back, I thought he was going to try and throw a dig at me. So I backed off. <laughs> and what I do, Bill, with a lot of people, I used to do, don't have to do it now. As they're coming towards me, I push them in the chest. And it kind of like, before they can throw a dig, and it keeps them, it doesn't matter how big they are, they're too far away to throw a dig at you. Mm. And I'll try and get, get in and, and throw one first. So I'm pushing this cunt. He's pushing me, and he, he's trying to put, this, I don't know if he pissed on his hand or he had water on his hand. And he's saying, I've got some Mr. Sheen, be ready, baldy twat and all that. So this bird walked past, and she was ugly. And I said, hey, love, fucking hell. Good job the Yorkshire Rippers in jail. <laughs> she went, why? I said, because if he saw you, he put the mask on your fucking head. <laughs> so it all worked well, and I never thought anything of it. And then <laughs> that was on the Sunday. On the Thursday, my lad rang me up. He said, hey, Dad, were you on the uh, 
Paris bar in West Derby on Sunday for Father's Day. He said, yeah, you know what it was? He was okay. He said, somebody's filmed you. I said, you're fucking kidding, aren't you? Is it that, that woodsy? Fucking Derry's mate. I said, oh. I said, it could be someone else. I said, he'd sign, find out who it is. Give them a bell and send to take it down. So he said, okay. So he rang me back. I was lying in bed. About eight o'clock that night, he said, Dad, I can't take it down. I said, why? He said, five million people have watched it. But Billy, I'm like an 80s man, I'm a dickhead, you know. Mm. So I went, what are they watching it for? <laughs> he, went, <laughs> he went, no, it's just gone popular. I said, okay. He said, so I can't take it down. He said, I can't ring five million people up. Exactly, yeah. So I said, did I say anything weird on it? Where, you know, that I could get done for? He said, no. Our sound. All right, so it was all right. It was just a bit of fun and all that. I said, five million people. But didn't realise what was happening, Bill. So then the next week, my dad rang me again. He said, Dad, I've just been looking on the internet. 13 million people have watched that show. Now, that Saturday night, I was working in Birkenhead, in Woodchurch in Birkenhead. And I'm on the stage. It was all lads and whatever. And this bird started dancing. And she thought she was lovely and she was stripping. And I was slagging her. I said, hey, love, if you were stripping in my backyard, I'd pull a fucking curtain and all that, you know. You're ugly, swat, savage in here. And she was with this fella. The fella was, like, kicking off a little bit. And I was going, get your beard. So that one went probably on the back of the first one. Went to about 89 million. So also going to be at 21, 22 million people that watched my videos within... A month. Mm. So Billy, I just didn't realise on my phone. I used to get like two or three phone calls a day. The phone literally blew up. It just never stopped ringing. It was ringing all the time. And I pick it up with someone, oh, Frankie, I want you to do a show in Newcastle. Frankie, hello, mate, you're the comedian, I've got your number, I want you. So my lad, who was a, just finished at the Lipper College, and he was kind of like um, managing different rap acts yeah. and groups. And he was in a prime position. He said, Dad, look, I'll take over from here. I didn't even realise what was going on. Billy, I am a bit thick that way, whereas I still don't know what's going on. I still don't know why people stop me and say, Frankie, can I have a picture? Yeah. It was like when we went to Blackpool about a month ago, we had a show in Blackpool and it went forward. You know, it was on. Mm. So it was in the Central Pier. So... Uh, I'm in a car park, looking for the car park, up by the North Pier, I'm driving down. So uh, I phoned my lad up and I said, where's the car park? And he went, oh, it's, uh, it's, it's a bit further down, about 100 yards down, you've got to drive down a pier. I said, you won't believe this. I said, there's fucking hundreds of people outside the fucking place. I can't even get near the show. He went, hundreds of people. I said, they're all outside. And I, he went... Oh, I said, what the, what, what's going on? He said, it's you. They've come to see you. I said, what? They've come to see you. I said, oh, fuck off. He said, no, they've come to see you. So I drove down, got in the car park. And uh, as I'm walking, I had to walk through the mall, Bill. This lad runs down his half He'd come down from Glasgow, Scotland. Mm. They'd been told he couldn't drink. So a lot of Scottish lads come down so he could have a drink. And uh, He's like, that, Frankie, can I have a picture? Will you sign this for me? I was. And I couldn't get through the crowd all asking for pictures. I'm not being weird with it. I don't really like it, yeah. if you know what I mean. A lot of people go, oh, is that great, you know? And I got in the place. So I said to me, lad, I just feel weird. Just, it's just weird. To it's, me, it's, you know? it's not familiar, is it? It's not familiar. No. It's, it's something like, when you're a kid, Bill, always probably dreamed of it, you know, when yeah. you're great, you're famous. And like... Uh, you know, even in my house yesterday, the window cleaner knocked on the door. Yeah. And he had a fellow with him, and I said, what's up? I said, is this your new fellow? No, he's an amazing man, Frankie. Um, he's a big fan of yours. Can he have a picture? I said, the fucking window cleaner. <laughs> so I was, yeah, I'll come in. And he was made up, you know. Yeah. But it still hasn't hit home, really, yeah. Bill, you know. It's and I'm not... Because we're, we're, from, we're from the streets, aren't we're we? We're from the streets. And you've had it all, Bill. Yeah. You know, exactly the same as me. You know, when you've done the movie, prayer before, worldwide, international success, you've worked with Sylvester Stallone in movies and whatever, you've been to the Cannes Film Festival, you've been on the red carpet, Bill. Mm. 
But I can guarantee you were the same as me. You felt like a fraud all you, the way. You, you feel like you know, was, yeah, why are people looking at me? Yeah, yeah. It's just a scouse thing in us yeah. that makes us very modest, really, isn't yeah, it? That's the one. Because yeah. everything that we've tried to do, like in our lives, <laughs> you know, say for instance, going back from when you were a kid, playing football for a school, and if your dad came, Fucking playing your heart out, with you, nearly killing yourself, and you'd have a great game. You'd come off, and your dad would go, "Hey, you want to fucking pack it in?" <laughs> Everything you tried to do, we yeah. tried to do when we were kids, Bill. We never got, <laughs> we, got an we, we never got any like praise or, or acknowledgements mm. or any love, really, did we? No. So, so was there anything, any final words for um, for, our, for our audience? All um, I want to say to people is this, look, in a terrible position, but I always think of like me dad, your dad, people during the war, you know, they had mates and part, you know, family members who were going abroad, never seen again, got killed in the war. Every night you had to go to an air aid shelter, they were getting bombed. You know, so they had it far worse than what we're having now on the lockdown. Yeah, yeah. I know it's terrible psychologically, but, you know, we'll get through it. I'm sure, you know, we've got this vaccine coming out now. I'm sure in a few weeks, a couple of months, the vaccine will take a hold. And this is just going to be like a memory. But with regard to your career, anyone who's got a career who's doing anything, all I'd say to you is, look, never give up on your dreams. Yeah. And never go... Uh, you know, I've got nowhere or packing. Carry on, carry on, carry on. Just like I did, and just like you did, Bill. And you'll something will happen. It's the law of averages. You'll get a break. So basically, that's it, Bill. That's all. You know what I'm trying to do. Brilliant. Um, boom. And thank you very much. Take care, Frank. All right, Bill. Thanks very much, mate.